On this week's A-Side, I spoke with Laurie McFarland about a report that he co-authored called Land for the Many. It's a report advising the UK Labour Party about its policy towards land and housing and social wealth redistribution and public ownership and all the rest of it. It was a really fascinating episode. If you missed that, be sure to go back and check it out. But on the B-Side, Laurie is joining us again. And for this episode, available in full to patrons of DPS Media, we're going to be talking about the... HMS clusterfuck that is sinking in the UK as we speak. This political crisis headed by Boris Johnson, his conservative party, is falling apart. They're coming apart at the seams. It has been reported that MPs will be deselected up to 24. I'm hearing a number of conservative MPs have jumped ship over to the Lib Dems. And Boris Johnson has lost four votes in the House of Commons in just a little over 24 hours. Needless to say, things are not going well for our buddy Boris Johnson. So for the first half of today's B-Side, Lori and I are going to be talking about the British debacle. Keep in mind, however, this was recorded about a week ago, so we are not going to be talking about the latest developments. If you want to hear more about that, head over to uh, my comrade and colleague's brilliant podcasts. I like to recommend these whenever I can. Check out Politics Theory Other, hosted by Alex Doherty. That is now the Tribune Magazine podcast. He had on James Meadway, a brilliant comrade of ours and a past DPS guest. James Meadway is the former economic advisor to John McDonnell. And he breaks down the stakes of the latest goings-on about the prorogation of Parliament and so on. Also, be sure, of course, to check out our friends and comrades over at Novara Media. They have done a fantastic job on Tisky Sour breaking down some of the current events and goings-on as they have happened over the past 48 to 72 hours. So just a heads up, if you're looking for an explanation of just what the fuck has been going on in British politics for the past 48 hours... This will not be that show. However, you will be satisfied at what you listen to in the next 30 some odd minutes, dear listener, because Laurie McFarlane and I are going to break down the deep structural roots and the stakes of this political crisis being faced by the Tory party and what labor can, should and ought and is likely to do about it. And then for the second half of today's program available to patrons only, we're going to talk about the next crisis. What is the next global crisis that seems just on the horizon? Are we headed for an economic downturn? It seems, well, just about as certain as death and taxes. Capitalism is crisis prone, as we all know, whether we are good Marxists or business cycle oriented capitalist apologists. We know that a capitalist crisis is just right around the corner. My guest today, Laurie McFarlane, has undertaken some really great reporting for the New Statesman about the coming crisis, trying to predict it, look at the fault line, see where it might hit, and talk about what socialists might do about it. So that's coming up in the second half. First, we're going to talk about Brexit and the political crisis. Second, we're going to talk about the coming economic and political crisis that's, 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 that's imminent, folks. It's going to, it's going to shake the globe. How precisely? Well, that's an open question, so you're going to have to tune in to find out. All right, enough of this little intro spiel. Enjoy the B-side. Welcome, everybody, to this week's B-side of Dead Planet Society. I'm your host, as always, Adam Proctor. Joining me once again, carrying our fantastic conversation from the A-side a couple of days ago on 
land and housing for the many is Lori McFarland. Lori is an economist. He is an author. He has co-authored a a recent report advising the Corbin's Labor Party called Land for the Many. He has a book out that he has co-authored called Rethinking the Economics of Land and Housing. Uh, But more explicitly, we're just going to talk about the UK political context right now and what in the hell is going on. Lori, thanks for coming back for the B-side. Thanks for having me. So for those of you who have tuned out of the Brexit uh, saga, uh, you will have been uh, rudely brought back into the fray by some of the headlines that crashed last week, uh, which is that Boris Johnson, new prime minister of your great your great nation, unelected as he is in this bizarre fashion, uh, is threatening to dissolve parliament in order to force through a no-deal Brexit. Now, this this conversation that we're having right now is going to be uh, out at least a week after we are uh, – at least a week after today. So all of the caveats and warnings associated therein. Today, as we sit here and chat, it is August 29th. Uh, so uh, some – there's going to be some distance of travel between our, our remarks of today and what may or may not unfold in the coming week. So everybody bear that into mind. But given where we sit today, Lori, what in the hell is going on over there? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, and we're really what we're really seeing is Britain uh, enter quite a profound constitutional crisis, a crisis which I think has been a long time coming. Britain as a as a country which has... Uh, exists in a very archaic system, which many of its we, uh, many of its so-called democratic structures are extremely uh, opaque and extremely unclear. And what's happened with Brexit is Brexit has really brought these issues right to the fore and really exposed the deep, deep inadequacies or deep, deep problems with the UK's constitutional settlement. I think the easiest way to kind of explain this is to just to rewind a little bit to when Boris Johnson, the new British Prime Minister, came into power. So Boris Johnson became Prime Minister after Theresa May, the previous Prime Minister, resigned, basically because she realised that she she wasn't going to be able to get her, her Brexit proposal, the deal that she'd cut with the EU. She wasn't going to be able to get that through Parliament. And so she resigned and there was a there was a contest within the Conservative Party for who would replace her. And the first thing to point out is that Boris Johnson won that contest, but he became Prime Minister because he got a majority vote of 120-odd thousand Conservative Party members. So there's only about 120,000 members of the Conservative Party. It's them who picked the Prime Minister. So immediately you see the kind of slightly weird situation with British democracy where we have hundred odd thousand mainly white, mainly old, mainly male people selecting uh, the next prime minister. And he came to power on, on a promise that he would basically deliver Brexit by the 31st of October, which is the current, uh, the current period by which Article 50 expires. So by default, we leave the EU by then. But he said, do or die, deal or no deal, we're going to leave uh, the EU on the 31st of October. Now, there's a basic problem which has existed since, ever since the referendum, which is really at the heart of of many of, of much of this crisis, which is that in Parliament, uh, the the majority of the members of Parliament don't want to leave the EU. The majority of people in Parliament want to stay in the EU, and a minority want to leave the EU. 
Whereas this was an issue that was that was put to a public referendum, where a narrow majority of the public chose to leave, and so Theresa May really struggled to get a deal that satisfied um, that commanded a majority in, in Parliament because her deal she tried to compromise it. It didn't satisfy the right wing Brexiteer arm of her party because they said it's too close to the EU. Her deal, but it didn't satisfy people who don't want to leave the EU either, because they said, well, this is clearly worse than the status quo. And so Boris Johnson has has been faced with the, the challenge of, well, how is he going to get anything? How is he going to get a deal uh, through Parliament? And so the bombshell that dropped this week was that he used what is quite a kind of arcane constitutional mechanism called proroguing Parliament, uh, which basically means suspending Parliament. So suspending Parliament means that uh, no no MPs can sit in Parliament, no legislation can be discussed or passed, and basically bringing Parliament to a close. Yeah, yeah. On the one hand, obviously, people have said this is an outrage to democracy. You can't just shut down Parliament. You know, this is a, an outrage. And his response has been, well, actually, it's quite normal, uh, and I want, it, it is quite normal for a new government to suspend Parliament while it works out its its agenda, um, you know, without having to be in, in Parliament every day. What makes this particularly controversial is, of course, the timing, because we're in the middle of a constitutional crisis. We're fast approaching the date where we basically crash out of the EU with no deal. And so it's very clear that one of the reasons he's decided to, to suspend Parliament now is to make it very make it much harder for members of parliament to uh, you know come up with ways to either delay brexit or stop brexit or or anything like that so he's really tying the hands of of parliament and saying you know you're not going to be able to do anything the second thing that's that's controversial about it is just the length of time that he suspended parliament for over the past 40 years or so it's the typical length of prorogation for a new government is about two to three weeks. And Boris Johnson's decided to suspend it for five weeks, uh, which is, um, uh, you know, which is, which is relatively unprecedented, never mind at a time of, of, of political crisis. And so, and so the, the last week he, to get permission to suspend parliament, he had to ask the Queen. <laughs> uh, which is uh, the other, obviously, uh, rather one of the other many strange elements of, of British constitutional arrangements, had to ask permission for the Queen, who then had to uh, formally suspend Parliament, uh, which she duly did. And so um, we're in this we're in this quite strange moment now, where there's a kind of battle for the soul of democracy in the UK, where whereas on the one hand Boris Johnson is saying, "I'm the man of the people." I'm delivering on the referendum. The elites in society and in Parliament are trying to prevent democracy from prevailing. They're trying to prevent the result of the democratically held referendum. You know, I'm going to get it through, come what may, even if it means suspending Parliament. Versus other people who are saying this is a kind of a coup. Boris Johnson is, uh, you know, if, if the whole basis of the British system is the sovereignty of Parliament, we live in a parliamentary democracy. He's suspending Parliament. You know, what's the point of returning power from the EU to Parliament if he's then going to suspend Parliament's power to do anything? And so there's this kind of crisis of confidence, crisis of legitimacy of the British system itself, right, right at this moment of of uh, of acute crisis. Yeah, it's even worse than I thought. I like I incorrectly referred to it as dissolving Parliament. Of course, we're not dissolving Parliament, which would in in, in you know there would be some type of. Uh, 
everyone would have to be uh, reelected, reselected, or whatever the case may be. But uh, it's a sus- temporary suspension, but it's a very long one. I had no idea, though, that he had to ask the Queen's permission. Somehow I missed that. I just, I don't have the stomach for this shit, Laurie. I, I try to ignore <laughs> I try to avoid it as much as I can. It's even worse than we thought. So anytime, you know, we think our democracy over here in the United States is, is uh, is uh, you know corrupted and and impoverished. Uh, look to our look to our brothers in arms over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Britain. one of one of one of the interesting, I think, splits that started to emerge um, is we the reaction of many, uh, even on the left actually, but particularly of the what you might call liberal central remain people who kind of are. The, the swathe of the society um, who, are, who are passionate about staying in the EU but have very liberal kind of politics. Uh, but also, it's not just that. Also, large parts of the left have responded to this um, prorogation of parliament by saying, like I said before, this is a, you know, this is, he's holding democracy in contempt. We need to defend our democracy. We need to resist this. You know, he's, he's, he, this is our precious democracy that he's undermining. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, my I, I I wrote a an article just the other day where it was called "Now is not the time to defend Britain's democracy. We need a democratic revolution." Because, you know, the, the one of the reasons we're in the mess that we're in just now is precisely because Britain's democracy is so broken. You know, or if you can call it a democracy, you know, we have a, a House of Lords which uh, has, you know, uh, it's completely unelected. It has a whole bunch of hereditary peers who've been there just because of their bloodline that has automatic space for representatives of the Church of England. It's the only parliament that gives automatic seats to religious representatives outside of Iran. You know, we have a head of state, the Queen, which is appointed on the basis, again, of bloodline. We don't have a constitution that's written. We have an uncodified constitution, which means we don't really have one. Uh, We have a bizarre electoral system. You know, we have an extreme concentration of power. You know, the, the UK's democratic system is is profoundly broken uh it's well past its its sell-by date and so i think that a mistake is being made just now from people who are saying you know oh we need to defend democracy and, and sort of defending the status quo which is exactly what boris johnson wants he wants he's he wants to have the kind of populist urge behind them to say i'm the kind of radical who's you know who's who's wanting change and these people are stopping it i think what we actually ought to be saying is you know, rather than defending broken democracies, is demanding real, real, de- real democracy through radical constitutional change, radical democratic reform, uh, and, and giving people, a, you know, recognizing we need radical change. It's just not Boris Johnson who's going to give the kind of radical change that we need. And that concludes the teaser of this week's B side, available in full for patrons of DPS. If you guys want to hear the second half of this episode, as well as much more of the first half, we go in great detail about the coming economic crisis that's likely, in fact, imminent on the horizon. Uh, Lori McFarland has done a great deal of writing and thinking about the coming crisis, and we go all the way in on this. So if you want to hear that and you want to support this political project, head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and subscribe today. This podcast is 100% reliant on the generosity of our listeners. So if you listen to DPS on a weekly or monthly basis, if you've learned anything from me and my amazing guests at all, if you think this is an important contribution to the political media ecosystem, head over to patreon.com slash deadpundits and support it. 
All right. See you all next week. <laughs>